Engaging Leader, Episode 99, Business Intuition, Seven Ways Leaders Apply the Science of Intuition, featuring Simone Wright. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Intuition is the new buzzword in business, and everyone from Branson to Buffett are touting its ability to guide and direct them to greater success and higher profits. However, the understanding of what intuition really is and how it can serve us in business and in life is pretty darn flawed. But according to a new book, it's more important to understand it now than ever before. Simone Wright is author of First Intelligence, Using the Science and Spirit of Intuition. She's been featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show and uses her intuitive skills to assist in police investigations, missing children cases, and corporate business strategies. Simone Wright, welcome to Engaging Leader. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored and thrilled to be here. Simone, when I hear the word intuition and then police investigations, I think What's up with that? I mean, intuition sounds very touchy-feely, and I wouldn't think that the police would be interested in that sort of topic. Uh, why are they interested in, in asking you to help them to assist in their investigations? Well, yeah, intuition is, is a, can be considered a touchy-feely subject, and that's why part of the reason that we're talking about it is to knock some of those misconceptions off of it. But I've done a lot of work with law enforcement because I have this intuitive skill set, um, the ability to sort of sense and see things, which, let me just say, we all have. It's not a paranormal or supernatural skill set. It's, <laughs> uh, it's a skill we all have. It's just been overshadowed by, by logic and rationale. Um, but the cops brought me in because they knew of my, my skill set as an intuitive. And I came in and assisted them with some cases, with some missing children's cases, and particularly the most prominent one that sort of has led to this work with uh, leaders and entrepreneurs was a triple homicide gang hit. A friend of mine who'd been a detective for 25 years called me out of the blue, gave me no details, and said, I want to take you to a scene and do whatever it is that you do, and uh, I'll pick you up in 10 minutes. And so he did that, gave me no details or information picked me up at 10 minutes later, and I was able to give him details and data that outlined the facts of a triple homicide gang hit. And ultimately, we were able to get enough information to secure three life sentences on this case. But what was deeply impressive to, to the cops in this case was my ability to gather holdback, which is stuff that only law enforcement or the victims or the perpetrators of a crime would know. And so they were kind of impressed with that. And they said, do you want to do this work for us full time? And I said, no, because no, <laughs> no, it's not fun at all. No. But what if I could teach the cops how to do what I do? What if I could teach you guys how to use your intuition? And, you know, for a lot of people, when I say that, they think, oh, it's the psychic woo-woo stuff. But from my perspective, intuition, especially how it serves leaders and entrepreneurs, is our ability to use our expanded intelligence, our expanded perception to find solutions to problems we might be having in the workforce or with our teams. It serves us, we are able to come up with innovative new ideas that maybe nobody's ever thought of before, but that can deeply serve our mission. It helps us reduce stress because God knows as leaders and entrepreneurs, we are 
daily dumped, you know, stress. And it helps us communicate more powerfully. So my mission in teaching intuition is to knock the voodoo, woo-woo, psychic aspect of it and bring it back into its where it rightfully belongs as an intelligence that we all possess that can serve us in whatever way we want it to. So ultimately, that's how I came to write the book and do the research that's brought me into, you know, teaching entrepreneurs and law enforcement and healthcare workers and CEOs how to use this intelligence. Quite an adventure. Simone, how do you define what intuition means? Well, I call intuition our first intelligence. It's a wisdom inherent in every cell of our body. We have a hundred trillion cells in our body and every cell is intuitive, meaning that it's able to gather information from the environment, whatever's going on around that little bitty cell, and feed it back to us through our nervous system to provide us guidance and direction. And so intuition, from my perspective, is the ability to be in a certain situation, whatever it is in regards to business, life, career, success, health, and be able to gather information from the environment to serve our needs, to serve our highest good. And it serves us on basic survival levels, and it serves us in evolutionary levels as well. So it's a really deeply multifaceted intelligence um, that can guide us to um, really evolutionary outcomes in business and in, and in life in general. It's not magic. It's an intelligence. When I first heard about your book, I connected it with a couple of meanings of the word intuition that I'd heard uh, in life, I guess. And I'm interested to see how your definition of, of intuition and your understanding is the same or different as those. And the first okay. is the topic, uh, I guess a lot of people would call it uh, women's intuition. What, how, does, how does your sense of business intuition, how is that the same or, or different than what we would call women's intuition? Yeah, well, there are so many misconceptions about intuition and and these misconceptions prevent us from using it because of because we get these false ideas. But in regards to women's intuition, a lot of folks say I'm not going to trust my intuition because it's that women's intuition and that's based in emotion and emotion isn't dependable. Well, boom. Booyah, right there is one of the number one misconceptions about intuition. And where it gets aligned with women's intuition is the false idea that it's emotional. And it's not. Intuition, when you get an intuitive directive, when you get an intuitive idea, when you get, you know, when I'm helping law enforcement try to find a kid, the information that I get intuitively has no emotion attached to it at all. There's no emotional charge. Where we get confused and why the idea of women's intuition gets a, a bad rap is that when we get an intuitive hit that comes neutrally, what we tend to do is immediately respond to that information and we respond to it emotionally. So the intuition itself doesn't have emotion nor is it backed by emotion, but our response to the information held in that intuition is what has the emotional charge. And so part of the process of learning how to follow this intuitive language is is precision. And there are, when I coach and train people, I, I, I'm very specifically grounded in, there's three P's to this intuitive conversation. The first is peace. You got, you can't be stressed out and have an intuitive conversation with your higher intelligence. You just can't do it. It doesn't work. Um, so the first P is peace. Mm. The second P is precision. And that's knowing 
precisely what your emotional, how are you diving into this conversation? Are you emotional? If you're, if you're in a leadership position, are you coming from a, a place of anxiety or worry or, or um, disconnection? So you have to be precise about the energy with which you engage in the intuitive conversation. And then the third P of it is perception. What do you start to notice? What do you start to see? What are the ideas you start to hear? You might even hear a song in your head that holds a key or a solution. Um, But the number one misconception is to realize that to engage with intuition, there is no emotion. And when you clear that misconception the ideas and the information that starts to come to you is is more often than not right on. It's exactly what you need to hear. Okay, so those three components are peace, precision, and perception. And so the when you are taking in this data and applying this intelligence, you can trust the, I guess, what your intuition is telling you if you are in the mode of peace and precision and perception. You don't, you don't have to worry so much about whether you're just letting your emotions get in the way. Exactly. And, and that's a crucial key to understand that when our emotions are in the way, whether it's wishful thinking, we have high hopes for an outcome, whether we're worried about meeting a certain deadline, whether we've got fear backing us, our intuition can't communicate. It needs a clear, static-free channel in order to connect. And so peace is crucial. So that's how it's the same or different to what we would call women's intuition. The second type of intuition that is out there in the popular thinking comes from the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And the second component of that is whether you are an S for sensing or an N for intuitive. And my own Myers-Briggs is ENTP. So uh, I am, according to that test. I'm an intuitive type person, and I've often found it to be a difficult concept to get my head around what the heck intuition means in that context. But I understand that uh, typically, let's say a lot of inventors uh, would be high in intuition, like they would say a a Thomas Jefferson um, or a somebody who is a thought, uh, a thought leader, Um, Theodore Roosevelt would have been uh, high in intuition, according to uh, Myers-Briggs people. Do you pick up any similarities or differences uh, with your definition of intuition? Well, I certainly, you know, I don't like to limit anybody. I I teach that we're all intuitive. um, and, And for each of us, it's our intuition is going to connect with us in different ways. So, you know, um, some folks who tend to be more uh, logically based, what they might tend to do is they might still go and look through all those reams of data, but then they'll use their intuition. They'll use that sensing, um, that sensing power that you mentioned to maybe look at pile A of data and pile B of data in regards to what choice is going to be most appropriate. And they'll sense which of those two choices is more appropriate or more more wisely structured for them. Um, so, you know, I, I always say everybody, everyone who has a head, a heart, and a gut has the ability to be intuitive. But for each of us, it's going to show up differently. Um, so that's why it's important to never cut off your nose despite your face to say, well, according to this list, I'm intuitive, or according to this list, I'm not. But just to say, okay, how is this non-linear, non-logical intelligence communicating with me? And where am I, you know, where do I notice when sort of hunches or impulses are coming? And learning to trust when those things show up. 
part of the major part of the intuitive conversation is learning to trust. When you get a hit or when you get an intuitive nudge, a lot of people, we, we all get it. How many of the listeners out there have gotten traffic intuition when you're in your car and you hear turn left and you don't and there's a cop right there. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me. And I teach this stuff and sometimes I don't listen to it. <laughs> so, you know, learning how to recognize how it shows up for each of us is really important too. Simone, you've talked about seven attributes that intuitive business leaders have. And the first of those is that they take action based on vision. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. I love intuitive business leaders. Um, having, you know, I am one, so I, guess, <laughs> so I guess I'm a little partial. But, but yes, we're, we're driven by the, the vision we have for a potential. You know, a lot of folks, when they're doing business or leadership, they've got an external goal. They want to hit a million dollars in sales or, or something like that in regards to their career. But in, uh, intuitive leaders have a, a grander intuitive vision. It's a bigger picture that sources from their insights. It sources from their heart. It sources from their desire to serve. It sources from their desire to create something really awesome that nobody's ever seen before. And that's called inspiration, inner vision. When you are sourced from a, a place of being inspired versus being motivated, the energy that backs that vision has a lot more power and it, it opens your ability to find those ideas. Um, because intuition is often a visionary, there is a visionary aspect to it as well. So being inspired versus being motivated tends to be what drives uh, intuitive leaders. That's interesting. So the you may still set goals uh, that you plan and might help you get a feel for what the next step is toward your vision, but I can see the benefit in always keeping your eye on the vision as opposed to necessarily these goals because the goals can change as more data comes along, as things change. Exactly. But the vision is most likely going to stay the same over long periods of time. Yes, yes, so brilliantly put because, you know, I use it as an analogy of a GPS. You know, there are, if, if your goal is to, if your vision is to get to San Francisco, there are a million ways to get to San Francisco via your GPS. And as the journey does morph, those things are going to change. As you, as you change as a leader, as you change as an entrepreneur, as your business team changes, all that stuff starts to shift. And if ultimately that vision stays the same, then you're more flexible when things start to move. Whereas if you're aligned to a goal that you, you believe there's only one way to achieve, then you're not as flexible. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up that analogy because it's, it's right on. The second attribute of an intuitive business leader is that they set the trends, they don't follow them. Yeah. Yes, most visionary leaders, most intuitive entrepreneurs, they because they're driven by this vision that oftentimes nobody else has ever had, they don't like to do what other people have already done. And, you know, this is a part of being, this is a part of Branson. This is certainly a part of what Steve Jobs did um, in that they, they don't want to follow the pack. When you follow the pack, oftentimes people tend to repeat, um, repeat actions, repeat mistakes. But if you're setting the trends, you're able to sort of set the tone. You're able to determine the outcome. You're able to decide for yourself how you want to achieve that goal. And when you have that level of flexibility, 
and that level of freedom, you're, you're encouraged and inspired to take greater risks. Oftentimes, there is a, a level of, I don't want to use the word beginner's luck, but if it's not been done before, then there are no rules. Mm. And visionary leaders and visionary entrepreneurs tend to, they don't play well with rules. So <laughs> that's the benefit of it for sure. <laughs> well, and when I heard that, that's the first thing that went off in my head was that, wow, there's high risk there. And I guess that's offset by this next attribute of an intuitive business leader, number three, which is that they are able to let go of things that are no longer working or viable. So they may be setting a trend and there's some risks there. And when they figure out that if they figure out that it's really not catching on or it's not in the right direction, they don't hold on to it forever for the sake of pride or other reasons. They're able to let it go. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a again perfect analogy. You know, again, it's like using the idea of a of a GPS. And if you're following the guidance of your GPS and you hit a roadblock, well, then you you back up and you turn around and you you wait for the direction to lead you somewhere else. You don't sit there at the roadblock and say, "Well, damn it, this is the way I want to go." And you're able to sort of say, "Okay, this isn't working. Let's put it down and find out what else will." And, you know, a lot of folks who tend to follow logic and data, they're so married to what is written down in those pages and those numbers that they say, this is the only way for the success to show up. And when you do that, it's like putting on success blinders or, you know, the, the racehorses that have the blinders on so that they can only look in one direction. When you stay committed to one path, then you limit so many other opportunities for success to find you. And intuitive leaders are able to say, eh, that didn't work. Moving on, what's next? What will work? And it frees up all of that energy to move forward. But is there a risk there of maybe giving up too soon, too early, and not having perseverance, or maybe not even finishing what you started? Uh, sure, there is. Yeah, if, you know, I'm not suggesting that the first time you hit a roadblock that you go, ah, this isn't working. <laughs> but ultimately, what you're going to notice is that if you find yourself sort of constantly repeating actions and behaviors, and there's no return on them, is when you start to go, okay, I'm burning more energy here than I'm getting back. And it's time to reevaluate this approach. I never say to anybody, you know, just if it doesn't work once, throw your hands up. Because there, like I say, there are a million ways to get to San Francisco from wherever it is that you're going. So you might try another approach, but eventually you'll you'll discover that okay, this isn't this isn't working. Um, this approach, this attitude, this mindset, um, this market, this conversation um, isn't getting the results that I want. So there's got to be another way. And what I also like to tell folks is that inherent in every mission, inherent in every vision, there is a solution to its outcome. Um, it wouldn't exist otherwise. You wouldn't have the vision for your success if there wasn't a way for it to come to fruition. So I always say, but but it may not be in the goals that you're trying to establish might not happen easily via the path you're taking. And this is an important point I want to mention too, is that intuition gives you guidance based on the path of least resistance and the path of highest good. Meaning that a lot of visionary entrepreneurs think that they've got to really struggle and push and force and work hard to make something happen. But intuition, is a, because it's an energetic language, works like electricity via the path of least resistance. And so oftentimes I tell entrepreneurs and leaders, look, you don't have to work to make this happen. And if we can take the 
belief that we've got to force stuff, if we can shift that and say, this can come to me elegantly and easily without me having to strive, then that, again, you can shift into that place of peace and more information comes to you. Yeah, that makes sense. Number four is they allow others on their team to thrive, excel, and contribute. And I got to ask, why is that unique to intuitive business leaders? It seems like any leader should be doing that. Yeah. Wouldn't that be lovely if every leader just did that? Yeah. <laughs> Not your listeners, though. All of your listeners allow that. But, <laughs> right. you know, there, there are intuitive leaders, intuitive visionaries. And, and again, I'm going to reiterate, we've all got this happening in us. But a lot of times leaders will think, if I'm not the one steering the cart, if I'm not the one who's telling everybody what to do, then my vision isn't going to be met or it's going to be done wrong. And what intuitive leaders also do is when they bring people on to their team, they are sure that the people that they bring on board are aligned in that vision. They are really clear about who they hire or who they partner with to say, look, ultimately this is the vision. And they bring that person on board with that vision. So the vision is aligned. And then what they do is they say, okay, I'm as a, as a leader, I'm really good at this, but I'm not good at everything, but you are. With this vision in mind, go do what you do. Excel. Screw up. They also let people make mistakes. Because when you give somebody the freedom to create in that way, you get real gems. There's a really common misconception that if you pressure somebody on your team, whether it's through more hours or deadlines or even through um, motivation, if, if you do that, that they're going to succeed for you. And that's and factually, actually an error. When you pressure people, their creativity shuts down. Um, you know, Richard Branson just wrote a book and he, he's, he's out there right now saying he's giving people the freedom to take any time they want off and whenever they want, as much vacation time as they want, as long as what they've been working on has been taken care of before they go. And he's noticing an, an acceleration in productivity, hmm. which is mind-boggling. It's completely counterintuitive. Yeah. So when you give people freedom to uh, use their superpowers, is what I call them, then the results you get are are 10 times more powerful than if you ride them all the time. Hmm. And you would think it would be common knowledge for a visionary leader, but it's not. Yeah. Well, number five is they thrive when others tell them it can't be done. So it's almost like the opposite of when you talked earlier about how it, it it's about finding the path of least resistance. In this case, the common wisdom might say it's it can't be done, but the intuitive leader uh, when they when they know it can happen, when their intelligence tells them it can happen, they they thrive in the in the face of that resistance. Exactly, they kind of go, oh yeah, yeah, you think that, dude? Watch me, watch me. <laughs> and um, you know, it's not from a boy howdy, I'll show you, but it's kind of from a place of, and it's exactly what you just said. The vision is so clear in their mind of what is possible, of what exists as a potential, whether it's peace, world peace. Or, or a computer. You know, Steve Jobs had the vision in his mind 30 years ago for the iPad. 30 years. The technology didn't exist, but he had the vision. And he did what he did over the course of the following 30 years to make that a reality. And there were loads of people standing in his way saying, you're high. It's never going to work. You don't have the technology. It doesn't exist. And Steve just said, yeah, well, we'll fix that. And, and which brings us to a point to say, you know, you mentioned earlier the idea of risk. 
in a visionary leader's mind, in an intuitive leader's mind, because the vision is so clear, there is no risk to them. There simply is no risk. It's just like, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be guided by this vision. And certainly I might stumble. There might be setbacks. But I know this vision so clearly that the idea of failure doesn't even register. And um, so when folks say it'll never happen, that's kind of when they kind of giggle and go, yeah, just watch me. (laughs) Number six is they ask evolved questions. What do you mean by that, Simone? Oh, that's such a good point. Asking evolved questions guides you to evolved answers. If you're not asking evolved questions, which mean are in alignment with your vision, that can give you guidance. You know, when we're using our intuition, when we're seeking answers from that intelligence, we want it to show us what to do, where to go, what choices to make. So if we ask questions that support that guidance, like how can we be a more evolved company? How can we serve our customers more deeply? How can I communicate more effectively with my team? Um, How can we be more evolutionary? How can, how can we work wiser as opposed to saying, how can I squash the competition? How can I, how do I improve my bottom line? How do I work less and make more? You can, even in asking those questions, you feel the different energy of them. And when you ask a question that is in alignment with that vision, then you're going to get direction that is in alignment with that vision. And so this is a part of the precision aspect that we talked about earlier. When you ask precise questions, you're going to get precise guidance. So I always say to my entrepreneurs, my CEOs, just start being aware of the chatter that you've got when you come up against an obstacle. And if your conversation, if your inner conversation is empowered in that you know there's a solution and you just haven't seen it yet, versus I'm, I'm hooped, I'm screwed, this isn't going to work, I'm going to have to work harder, then if you become aware of that, then you'll start to notice a shift in the ideas that your intuition starts to provide you with. So just to make kind of restate that a little bit to make sure we all understand what you mean by evolved questions, if the first question that, that comes to your mind um, is about how do we win or how do we improve our bottom line? And it's, uh, it seems rather tactical focused. If you take a step back and you say, now, how do I ask that question in a more precise way that's truly aligned with our vision? The, what's the longer term purpose behind what we're after? You're more likely to have a question that is evolved. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. Well, the seventh and final attribute of an intuitive business leader is that they are able to cultivate solutions and courses of action in multiple directions. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, they're, uh, intuitive leaders are energetic multitaskers. Um, they're able to do more than one thing at a time, which um, if, you're, if you're doing business or leadership strictly based logic and data, that follows A leads to B leads to C. If you do this first, then you'll get this result. Then you've got to do this and then you'll get this result. That's logical, rational, and limited. But intuitive leaders, again, using the analogy of a GPS, are able to see the bigger picture, that that ultimate vision. And they're able to do things, more than one thing at, at a time that leads them forward in the mission. And that might be, you know, creating new designs, that might be um, bringing in new, new staff, that might be even just considering a, a further vision. So there's multiple things going on creatively at one time. 
And what that starts to enable you to do is it starts you, it, it enables you to get results faster. Um, and it allows you to generate innovation more quickly. Because if you're following A, B, C, D, then innovation happens according to that time frame. But this is why intuitive leaders, intuitive entrepreneurs are more innovative because they're able to do more than one thing at once. And ultimately, even though there are these things happening all at the same time, they serve the ultimate vision. And, and that's too another place where visionaries tend to thrive in that constant flow of creative energy. And they're able to juggle and navigate those multifaceted approaches with a sense of, of joy. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like there's two sides of the coin that there, there would be a risk that because we might see these multiple solutions, multiple courses of actions that are going in different directions, uh, there's the danger of, I guess, getting diffused or distracted and or, or causing a lack of focus in our on our team. And so the uh, it's I guess it needs to be tempered with a sense of priority, helping people, as you said, juggle those uh, and define the the appropriate priorities. Right. Well, and and this you know this point of the of the conversation sort of serves all of the other points that we talked about. In that, if your vision is clear and if everybody on your team is aligned with it, then the creatives on your team will be able to run with the creative ball. The finance, the financial minds on your team will be able to run with the financial ball. The design people on your team will be able to run with the design ball. And then the, the leader of that is the one who holds that center point for everybody. So he's able to, again, you know, this is where we spoke with allowing people to thrive. And even if you're a single person, a sole, what do they call that? A sole proprietor, that sometimes you'll be able to say, okay, in this moment, I need to be the creative. And in this moment, I need to be the natural person. And you're, you allow all of that stuff to, to move. And so all of the other earlier six points fit into this one from that sense of if the vision is clear, then all of these other things are going to fall into, into action. Simone, earlier you said this is not paranormal skills or anything like that, and it's not something that only a few people have. Um, what, help me understand that. So everybody has this, uh, these intuitive uh, abilities somewhere inside them? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've all heard people say, you know, my gut instinct told me about this decision, or you've heard people say, I just followed my heart. And what's really important to understand is that there are four levels of intuition. There's gut instinct, which again, uh, everybody's heard of. And what gut instinct does is it leads us to take action based on safety, security, and survival. Then there's heart intelligence, and that allows us to communicate deeply. That allows us to know what our clients want, to know what our staff wants. When you have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with somebody, solutions show up. Um, then the third level of intuition is that visionary power that we talked about. The ability to see solutions, to see outcomes, to see pathways. It's... That, that is sort of the little bit of the psychic ability to know what's going to work and what isn't. And then the fourth level is sort of being able to understand the higher picture. And this, again, is why it's important for us to have a vision, a strong one. But every one of us has all four of those levels active. And if you know that all four of those levels are active in you as a human being, not even as a leader or an entrepreneur, but as a human being who has biology, <laughs> um, <laughs> 
that, you know, that these levels of intelligence are serving you. And it's our job to start to pay attention when these subtle little nuances of, of feeling compelled um, start to show up. And um, for me as a teacher and a coach, when I see the light bulbs go on in a room, especially like with a room full of police detectives, and they all start to go, oh my gosh, was that what that was? When I, that was my intuition. And I said, yeah, it's working for you all the time. Uh, it's just our job to learn how to recognize it when it's trying to get our attention. And you teach these uh, skills, not just to police departments, but to businesses and, and organizations as well, right? Yes. Yeah. I've, I've taught cops and healthcare providers and CEOs and, and it's, it's so cool to sit in a room full of folks and, and walk them through this process and have them leave the room with a whole new list of solutions, a whole new list of outcomes with a sense of empowerment that they have always had, but they haven't recognized before. And, you know, when they come in to, to see me, they're confused and they don't have a, they're wanting to know a certain direction. And when they leave, they've got solutions and they know that they can always access those solutions. They become really idea prone and, um, that's such a treat for me and such a reward to empower folks in that way. Um, but everybody's got it. You don't have to be magic or special. So um, that's what I like to, to drive home for folks. The book is First Intelligence, Using the Science and Spirit of Intuition. Simone, how can people find out uh, more about this book, get their hands on it, and also maybe arrange to have you come and, and uh, lead a training session for their organization? Well, they can find me on my website at www.simonewright.com. Uh, you can get the book uh, at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And there's a contact me page there, and I go anywhere people need me. I've trained in, in up in Canada, and I've uh, spoken in Ireland and, and all sorts of places. So you can connect with me. Uh, we can arrange a, a, a phone call and talk about your needs. But I love nothing more than coming out and training people how to do this. And you're on Twitter, at Simone Wright, and you're also on Facebook. I think uh, Simone yes. Wright uh, forward slash First Intelligence is where people would find you on Facebook. Yep. They can find me there, and uh, you can join my online community, too. There's a sign-up page on my on my website, and I'm on YouTube. And, and you know, what I also like to tell folks is that I, I approach this intuition thing with a sense of lightness and a sense of play. And the more fun you can bring to the intuitive process, the more successful you'll be at it. Um, if you approach it from a sense of, of, of happiness and ease, uh, you'll find your intuition starts to serve you in really powerful ways. And this is something I always tell the folks I coach. You know, Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, they got their most powerful intuitive hits for the greatest success when they were out of the office. Uh, Jobs would meditate, Edison would um, garden, and Einstein would sail his boat. Hmm. They didn't get their intuitive ideas when they were grinding it out in the office. It, it just didn't happen. So I encourage folks to say, and again, counterintuitive, if I'm not in the office grinding it out, I'm not <laughs> going to get the ideas. But I say, no, go out for a hike, play with your kids, garden, rebuild a car, do something that brings you joy and allows you to relax your mind. And you'll find that the intuitive ideas will start to pour into you almost faster than you're able to handle them. And that's when you know you're on track. Well, it's a fascinating, very powerful and positive topic. Simone Wright, thanks for joining us on Engaging Leader. 
Thank you so much, Jesse. It was my great pleasure. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. Again, the book is First Intelligence, Using the Science and Spirit of Intuition, and we'll provide the information and links that Simone Wright mentioned on our show notes for this episode. You can find the show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash 99 as in episode 99. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, J.J. Leahy, our video and web intern, Rick Terrence, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of each opportunity to engage the people we care about. 